Hello and welcome to the midweek episode of the Fins Up podcast. I am your host, Terry. You can hear my greyhound, Ted, going mental in the background. And I am joined by my handsome colleague, as always, so Dan, Dan, how you doing, buddy? Doing well on a Tuesday night. Second time I get to see, or third time I get to see you this week. Three in a row. Just counting my blessings, mate. Counting my blessings. How about yourself, Terry? Yeah, look, doing really good. Um, as Dan said, we just jumped on a New Zealand Warriors podcast to, or vodcast even, to mm-hmm. uh, to uh, preview the game against the Warriors. But uh, for us, look, we did the uh, the post-game discussion, um, you know, the live and, and raw post-game discussion, but... We're uh, 48 hours, uh, well, just, just past 48 hours now from the game, Dan. And what are your thoughts? Uh, how are you feeling? Are you still in the same jovial state? Have you gone back and watched the game? What did you notice? What did you miss live? Um, you know, because for 20 minutes we were interrupted by Dragons fans leaving the stadium. So It was very, very entertaining. Look, I'm on cloud nine, mate. I'm very happy. Any time you offer me a 40-8 to eight win over the Dragons, especially at Cogra, I'm taking it. I don't care what the circumstances. Look, yeah, I, I did re-watch the game. I re-watched some highlights uh, when we got home that night. Uh, it was just those those tries. Oh, my God, that Jesse Ramian try. I, I swear Nico Hines had spiders on him all night. No one wanted any part of it. As you saw, Vossi tweeted some photos earlier of the gaps that were created. Very, very good to see. I did you go back and re-watch that set of plays. But overall, mate, I am over the moon. I'm going to forget the first 40 minutes existed for my own health. Feeling pretty good. Yeah, I, I feel good. Sorry, just got a work email as well. Um, yeah, I feel, I feel really good about that game. Even still, after watching the first half and seeing how bad we were, like this is, you know, to complete, to compete, a, a complete, sorry, at 61% and be really ill-disciplined and take a four-point lead into halftime when... The opposition was nearly perfect with the ball and with their discipline. And there was, you know, being there live at the game, there was no shouts of, Jesus, they were really offside or forward passes or anything like that. The Dragons actually played a, a near-on perfect half of uh, football. And I, um, I just think that, uh, you know... For us to take the lead, it showed where it shows the character of the side. Because mm-hmm. years gone by, we could have been down 18, 20 points um, at that time. And, um, you know, luckily it was against the Dragons because a better team would have would have lapped us. But, you know, kept it nice and simple in the second half, make the Dragons, make the first error, capitalise on it. Once Ronaldo scored that first try, there was no coming back from them. They had barely scored eight points. Like they'd struggled to score points against us. They weren't, you know, they weren't going to trouble us. And, and when Decora went over, it was just it was party time. It was party time in the Shire, mate. I just, I can't speak highly enough of Nico Hines. But I mean, everyone made it sound like it was a one-man show. It was far from it. He was obviously the star, the conductor of the orchestra. But I think everyone that needed to chimed in well. I went back and checked. Our bench, I think the use this week was much better. Obviously, you're going to say that in a big win. But I, I feel like that that is improving. I think we've got the... I like that bench. I think that at full strength is the bench we run with. But, um, you know, a little bit different this week, which we'll discuss later. But, yeah, look, like I said, any time you offer me that kind of victory and those highlights, mate, you take it every single time. I think, I think the... Uh... I think Fitz was forced into... Um, oh, the Nakora HIA, that's play, true. Playing with the HIA, but also as well, like Hamlin Uwelli didn't have his best game. Um, 
In fact, he, he was far from his best game. And also, Oregon Kafusi only played 14 minutes as well. We didn't see him in the second half. So, Jack Williams got some minutes. Royce Hunt, uh, his minutes are stepping up now um, after the, the elbow injury as well. And he, but he looked really good. And then, obviously, Cam McInnes played some uh, some good minutes in as well. Got, got 44 minutes. You know but, what it uh, is, Terry? It's probably the heat. I'm probably being a little bit hard on them last week because we saw players gasping. And I'm talking not like it's hot, I'm tired. They were gasping. Like Toby was, you know, a step from death on the dead ball line, and so was so was Finucane. I didn't notice that this week, and it wasn't like it was eighteen degrees and cool. It was quite humid and quite hot. But I, I just felt like we got it right this week. Probably goes yeah. with the win. Yeah. The the only time that we noticed someone gasping was Dale Finucane, and I think we were clutching at straws at that point in time in the first half because the Dragons had just scored. And Fanukin was bent over, but if you have a look at the, the the work that he got through in the first half, he had every right to be on his haunches. Um, he, you know, we got fifty quality minutes out of Dale Fanukin, and I think that's the the perfect number for him. Mm-hmm. We got fifty out of Toby Rudolph as well, and I feel that in those conditions they were good because Toby was one of the first people. In a change, and he was one of the the you know people that came on in the second half. Once we had momentum to keep it going, um, look, Hanlon Ueli is going to cop a bit of criticism for this game as well because he had the dropsies. But if you go back and have a look at it, his runs were in ten. He was, he's you know, a big boy. He should he should be breaking that line. I don't know whether I just expect too much of him or whether this is just what he is. I think I remember I, I, back to the the early pandemic days we dominated, and I just. He hasn't kicked on yet. There's still time. He's still young, but how long can you be patient when you got a bloke banging down the walls in New South Wales Cup? Yeah, but I mean, like, Ueli wasn't too bad. You know, he had 10 runs, 97 metres, and he had 34 post-contact metres. Uh, apart from Finucan, or sorry, Finucan had 36, Royce Hunt had 42. Uh, so more... Royce Hunt ran for 76 metres and 42 of those were post-contact. Mm. We need that from Royce every week. Yeah, that's completely true. Break, like that, hit the that, line and break it, yeah. Yeah, that is that is huge for him. So, look, overall, I, I saw, saw Jack Williams getting some, some criticism as well. And I don't think it was a, I don't think it was fair criticism. He, he you know, had to start, well, he had to come on in the first half onto the right edge. Um, I'm familiar. Yeah, he hasn't, he hasn't played on, on the edge for a long time now. Um, gave away a couple of penalties, uh, but he had seven runs for 77 metres, 32 post-contact metres, and he didn't miss a tackle. Uh, gave away two penalties, no errors. And usually when you talk about a Jack Williams game, it's he gives away a penalty and then he gets in his own head and he, he, he drops the ball. I thought he was sensational. I thought our bench was really good. I don't think there was anyone that was bad this week. You know, like, I hate with a passion Blake Braley, but... Even still, in in the moments that he chose to run from dummy half, um, they were they were purposeful runs. You know his defence was good. Uh, he missed he missed more tackles than he normally does this week, um, and he threw that dreadful forward pass where he probably should have just just gone to ground. But you know he threw it three metres forward to Kia McInnes and then looked at the referee with that dumb look that he has on his face to say, I didn't really throw that forward. Yeah, you did, mate, clown. Uh, but other than that, like, there wasn't anyone that really put a foot wrong. Yeah, very, very happy. Um, 
Uh, yeah, yeah, I thought... We hold uh, the ball, we win. It's as simple as that. We've been saying it for two years. Uh, what we do need to give a shout-out for is Tobias Rudolph being the first prop forward this year to have a play-the-ball speed under three seconds. 2.87 seconds for Toby. That's incredible. Uh, insane play-the-ball speed. Now, to put it this way, Cam McInnes was one of the fastest in the competition last year, and he didn't get anywhere near that. That's incredible, and that's a hugely underrated stat because you don't notice... You notice the run that comes after it, but you don't notice them backpedaling in the play the ball. Hey, I'm glad you brought that up. It was very, very good. He had a very good game. Perhaps the haircut was, was you know, warranted. Yeah, we had been worried about uh, no hair Toby, but, uh, yeah, he's uh, he's been pretty good since he's, he's cut. I, if anyone deserved a try uh, on the weekend as well for the way that they performed in that game, I, I thought it was him. I thought he's got one. Oh, he took, he took the crash ball. I thought he was, was going to get there, but... Um, yeah, look, unfortunately he didn't, but, uh, Dan, it was the Nico Hines show, wasn't it? It was the Nico Hines show. We try and talk everyone up, but, I mean, let's 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 be real. Nico was incredible. Couldn't win the um, Fox Sports Man of the Week, mind you, because a bloke who scored a, a try running zero metres, and I can't even remember his second one, uh, was, was better than Nico, evidently. His stats were ridiculous. The eye test says Nico was the player of the round. That's the most dominant performance we've seen this season. It's not even close. Yeah, I, I, I don't, you know, he got the New South Wales Player of the Week. He got the Channel 9 Team of the Week. He did everything else. Apparently, Fox Sports, you know, he wasn't the, the Player of the Week. What I want to say about this, though, is Nico Hines getting the New South Wales Player of the Week. In the first four rounds, we've had two Sharks players featuring that Player of the Week. Will Kennedy in mm-hmm. round two for his efforts against Parramatta, where he was lights out the best player of the week in the competition. Uh, and surprisingly, again, didn't make Fox Sports fullback of the week. Uh, I'm starting to see a common theme here. Yeah, and then uh, and then Nico Hines uh, this week as well. But yeah, look, he was he was sensational. 21 tackles, one missed tackle, and it was a glaring one on Ben Hunt. Bad one Stole under the post, three try assists, three line break assists, two line breaks. No ineffective tackles. Uh, he had 10 kicks for 257 metres. That's huge. Four, one dropout. Uh, as you were, Dan, continue to touch yourself, get those uh, get the tissues out. Yeah, I'm just... I, 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 I run off stats all night. Uh, and he did this only playing 70 minutes of footy. Yeah, it's ridiculous. If you played 80, he scores, we win by 1,000. Mate, one I want to bring up. Matt Moylan has been... The target of a little bit of criticism this week. Um, he played pretty well the other night. What were your thoughts? Uh, I thought there was a bit too much tuck and run and go off your left foot and try and you know catch the Dragons by surprise. Look, they didn't buy it the first two times. They're not going to buy it again. In saying that, some of his runs, you know, were just they were just good runs to set up the open side. You know, he got the ball. There was nothing on, and with with any half, not just Moylan, but with any half, there might be nothing on. So you might go and force a stupid pass to your second rower, or you know you might just get your 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 centre to do something that he can't do, or put in a bad kick. But and we've seen Moylan do that. We've mm-hmm. seen him put in a bad kick when there's nothing okay. been on. Yep. So some runs he just sort of tucked it under his under his wing and and just took the tackle. And there were some others where he he stepped and he kind of like if that's all we've got, then. You know, you've you've got to call your back rower on the inside, or you know, you've got to you've got to seek to something else because the dragons just weren't falling for that. They were switched on, but he had thirteen runs, hundred meters, twelve kick return meters, 
defensively, where was he? he his play the ball speed wasn't real good. Uh, four dummies, uh, 21 passes, 35 receipts, 21 passes. So he was 1.6 runs, uh, pass to run ratio. Busy. Tack- Tackle efficiency, 95%. He made 20, missed one. And a couple of tackles that he made in the first half. He, he had a one-on-one tackle with uh, Jaden Sewell that stopped a certain yep. try. Sewell looked in and, for all money. Yeah, and he got um, he got uh, Zach Lomax That's as true. well. Pulled Zach Lomax down, which is... Uh, and the other thing is he was just there on that edge when they needed him to be. And he didn't make any stupid defensive reads um, like he has recently. Um, he had six kicks this week, did Moiser, um, and he forced a dropout. So that's what you want. You don't want him long kicking when Nico's there. He shouldn't be unless Nico's tackled on the fourth, going into the fifth, uh, fifth going into the sixth rather. I, I was pretty happy with Moyle and all that, but I mean the question is obviously going to be: Trindle's back this week. Do you replace Matt Moylan? Uh Again, no, because he's got enough. Uh, I keep saying he's got enough credit built up and banked. With the Sharks next to Nico Hines, and you just beat a team by 30. That's true. Now, Terry, I put this to Twitter because, you know, people's opinions matter. And we had uh, over 180 or 185 results here. 50% of people said that Moylan will make way at the end of 2023. 26% say when Trindle is fit. End of 2024, which is the end of his current contract, 19%. And around Origin is five. Now, the reason I put that in is because Nico's probably going to play Origin, he'll be in and around the squad at, at least in the extended capacity. So my thinking is he'll be unla- um, he'll be unavailable for a game or two, po- possibly, uh, with Trindle coming in. And then do you go, all right, second half of the season, do you go Trindle and Hines? But uh, I think most people have got that right. I think the end of 2023, you start saying, okay, it's time to go now. I think we're in a precarious situation with Matt Moylan here because if we if we get on if we get on a roll and we're winning, you don't really need to make many changes. Absolutely not. But if you if you get on the roll and you're winning and you're not winning convincingly, like if you beat the Tigers twelve six, but with the amount of points that we have in our team, you probably need to look at something needs to change. I'm gonna harp on it, but I'd be changing Blake Braley before I change Matt Moylan. Completely fair. Um, I, I, I do think that I do think though that if it, if we go the other way and we lose a couple of games in a row, that the you know the the media noise will get louder about Trindle, or the fan noise and everything will get louder about Trindle. And likewise, I think that if Moylan cops a hamstring injury that's going to be six or seven weeks. And Trindle comes into the team. I don't think Moylan will come back. Yeah. I voted in that at the end of twenty twenty three. Mm-hmm. I could honestly see a team like the Leeds Rhinos or Wigan coming to Cronulla and saying, "We will take your boy, release him early, um, and you know we'll give you five years good faith. If there's an up and coming England junior, you get a first crack at him." Yeah, look, I agree with that. And I'm not death-riding Moyser by any stretch. I mean, you and I are two of his biggest fans sitting right here, so it's definitely not calling end of days yet. But given the form of Trindle, it's a question we had to ask. And thank you to everyone for the responses. Yeah, I posted, I posted some questions on Sharks Forever. So uh, we got, got some good discussion going out of this. So the questions I posted were similar to what you put on Twitter. What's your, but 
I put uh, a question on there. What is your solution? People are saying that we've just got to move Sifa back into the forwards. And I was like, it's easy to say that. It's easy to say that Sifa has to go to lock or he has to go to the bench or he has to go to the edge. But what's your solution? Um, the second question was how long does Moylan left to have in the team and is Hines the best player in the competition? So I'll read out some answers. Uh, a good one from Wilson. There is no solution. We keep him there. Defence is issue and there's no one else internally who is better alternatively at this stage. With the ball in hand, there's currently no one better in the centre position. The real question is who do you replace him with if he's suspended or injured? Probably Hirodi, Ronaldo in the centres for Stone, for Stone Street. If every option you can think of made you feel poop like it did me, it's the perfect point that Sifra is the best for that option. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's yesterday, it should be Moylan's last game. He unfortunately outrageously limited these days aside from a nice touch here or there. Seemingly fourth or fifth time he touches the ball, it's a tuck under the arm for a hit-up. Trindle offers more than Moylan as things stand now. And for Nico Hines, is he the best player? He's a 40-metre field goal on the buzzer away from regular pundits, putting him in the conversation with Nathan Cleary. Certainly on the path, though, and he's unquestionably the most marketable player in the competition. Uh, what else have we got? Short-term, Sifa has to stay there. Long-term, we may go to the market or consider shifting Ronnie Infield if Sam Stone Street continues his trajectory. I like Kale, but he's been in our system for a while now. His defence is terrible at cup level and it concerns me. I'm hoping that Moylan's out of the team of the bye. If he doesn't fire this weekend, Nico and Tricky have two weeks to iron out the wrinkles in their combo. Uh, is Nico the best player in the competition? He's getting close. A question for the podcast. Mm-hmm. Dykes is obviously out for the rest of the year, but could you look at doing a Matt Burton with him? He's currently six foot one and 92 kilos. So has the size to play in the centres. Haven't seen enough of him defensively to know how he could handle it, though. Should we give him a full pre-season out there if it means having to fit him in the team with Will Kennedy and Tricky Trindle? That is fantastic. Great, great question. Uh, Look, it is no secret at all that I'm humongous on Kate Dykes. Have been for a long time. He was tremendous last season for the Jets. And when he came up, I thought he was very, very good. I mean, yes, if... He's in. He's in the thirteen somewhere. If not next still, season, the year bro, after. Thinking with that, with with Kate Dice, he's still going to grow. He's probably going to get to about six foot two, yeah, six foot three. He's not. He's not at his physical peak yet. Yeah. Yeah. So yes, that is a brilliant question. You have to make a spot for him. I have him earmarked as a long term six. Full disclosure. Um, or if Kennedy is poached, Dykes comes straight in at fullback. But if he wants to transform and play in the centres, Alamat Burton, yes, please, love it. Good question here that's come up. Yeah, I like that question. And you know, if it gets if it gets to the point where you, you know he, he gets to six foot three and you know he's going to have that ninety eight kilos and his pace and his and his elusiveness and you know you say to him it's it's centers or you know you learn to play in centers or it's the last cup for you or you go and find another team. I reckon he put his hand up. Absolutely. The question here, I'd like to know why Madeline, why Madeline Tynan is one of the Dragons' major sponsors, but he's on our board of directors. Do you think it's a conflict of interest? No. Madeline Tynan, the person, is on the Sharks' board of directors offering advice. Tynan Motors, the company, is sponsoring the Dragons. So no conflict of interest there. Yeah, I, I, I understand the question, but, yeah, I, I don't think they're interlinked. It's funny because South Village up here at Kirawee... They're um, also- also sponsors of the Dragons, despite being much closer to Cronulla. So I don't, I don't think it really matters. I would like to think it wouldn't matter, put it that way. 
and and Tyner Motors were a long term sponsor of the Sharks for a while, so they probably just didn't renew it and they've gone elsewhere. Uh, some more comments. Uh, question one: Sifa not playing in the centre is what's your solution? Leave him at centre. His defence was good last year, and one mistake this week isn't the end of the world. They'll keep working on it; he'll be fine. He's got another twenty-three rounds to go. Mm. Um, in attack, he gets us out of trouble with his runs like no other centre with what we can have can do consistently to back him up. His ball skills he has on the other end of him. Him and Ramian are starved of early ball in the attacking end. And when Hines was out one game back, they've been touching the ball a lot more in the three games combined. Agreed. Uh, number two about Matt Moylan. As long as his body holds up, we all know we're gonna, what we're going to get with him. He compliments Hines and lets him be who he is. I don't think it's worth risking Hines not playing to his full potential in the comp game just to see how someone else goes with him. Also, Trindle and Hines both play on the right side, so moving one to the left will increase the defensive issues on that side. Yep. I'm sure Trindle has trained there, but the games are different. Uh, number three, is Nico Hines the best player in the competition? If he's not, he's in the top three at the minute easily. Poor attempt on Hunt aside, that game was hard to fault for him. A question for us. Yep. I know the Jets play at Henson, and I don't want them moving from there, but do you think when both them and the Sharks have home games, the game time should accommodate each other to get the best chance of watching all three games or just tough luck pick one or the other? For example, Newtown at 12 o'clock, 21's at 3 at Shark Park, then first grade at 5.30 gives the fans time to get from Henson to Shark Park if they want to watch all games. I think if we get a... The, my answer to that is if we get a very, very friendly time slot, like a 5.30 on a Sunday afternoon, we should be talking to the Jets about moving that game there. We don't want to move every home game there, but they should be there for fans to come and watch. Because you and I have gone to Canberra and we've gone to St George to watch the Jets into the first grade, and it's been phenomenal. It is very, very good. Um, look, the simple answer to that is no. Uh, Henson Park, three pm. It's it's historic. It way outweighs what we what we have as a partnership. And I'm not saying it's a bad idea because I would I would love to watch the Jets live every single week if I could. Look, anyone who hasn't been to Henson Park, it's special. It, it's just something. It's something they're not going to move away from. The three pm Saturday afternoon is their time slot. Every home game that's at Henson this year is at that time. So I don't see it changing. It would be very nice though. As you said, if it was an opportunity, getting from Henson to Cronulla is very difficult. Um, we've done it. I've done it once. Full disclosure, and I've seen probably forty Jets games considerably, and obviously a thousand Sharks games. Just going back to before, though, a couple of comments from me. Whoever Hines wants to play with, he plays with. As far as I'm concerned, if he says, "Yeah, Moylan and I got it," that's it. Hundred percent. End of discussion because we got arguably the best player in the game. We have undisputably the most important player in the game. Because we saw the difference when Nico comes in. Whatever maximizes his potential and his game, just his talent, as the previous comment said, that's the way you got to go. So, yeah, it's it's Moylan. Can I, can I just throw to the Twitter poll real quick, Terry? So, with Sifa Talakai, we asked who's your choice at left center, and we asked for comments. We've got quite a few, which I'll go into probably later on. 41% at 146 that voted said Talakai. Uh, 31% said way for Eero, which is obviously round 10 and forward. Uh, Tracy with 19% and Ronaldo 9 Now, I didn't explain the Ronaldo thing. I, I just left that open. Ronaldo into the centres with Stone Street on the wing. Connor Tracy was sort of the booby vote. Uh, it's good to see he's got fans. got lots of family on Twitter that follow me. With the greatest of respects to Connor, who I am very high on as both a person and a player, no. Yeah, no, it's an absolute... Like, Connor Tracy should have had 0% of your votes. 
Uh, and he, I mean, he he's been great for us. Let, let's not let's not sure, say he hasn't. The uh, the semi final, everyone likes to bag us about for losing to South Sydney. He was dreadful in that game, and he was worse against the Cowboys. Uh, question for the podcast: With the new concussion protocols and the NRL stance of greatly minimising knocks to the head, is there a danger of the game becoming so sanitised that its survival as a contact sport is doomed? Uh, no, but I do think that you're going to hear more and more about concussions and everything knocks to the head for the next 10 years. Look, anything that's above the shoulder is a penalty now. You've seen some real soft high tackles, like players in the 80s would be embarrassed if they gave a penalty away for a slap on the chin. But um, I think all you can do is just is just do that. Like, you can't stop head clashes, and we... You know, that was the Blake Laurie, uh, Oregon Kafusi head clash. How Oregon Kafusi, with the biggest head on the planet, was ruled not to come back, but Blake Laurie could. Full credit to Blake Laurie. Um, I, I just think that, you know, it's just going to be the rule. Anything above the shoulder is, is a penalty. Yep, yep. Uh, and we did the, see one this week, Terry, where the bloke crawled under a guy's shins and caught a hit on the head, and it was a head high. So there's going to be instances where it's going to seem ridiculous. Look, no, I don't think the the future's at risk, but there is going to be a player who misses a grand final or an origin decider because of the 11-day. I think ultimately it's a good thing, but at the time, I mean, if Nico cops a head, cop, a head knock in a prelim, you're going to be screaming blue murder. So... Yeah, yeah it's, it, it, I don't think this is the end of that discussion, put it that way. The, 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 the two things that I have about concussions, and maybe we can talk about this later, is one, the independent doctor on... He's sitting, he's sitting in a lounge room somewhere watching it, and he's just watching the contact to the head, but he's not there assessing the player. So for mine, what they need... There used to be the, the independent doctor at the ground. Yeah. For mine, there needs to be an independent doctor at the ground who's talking to the independent doctor in the bunker saying, hey, look, it might look bad, but this guy's still counting backwards and he's still doing this and he's still doing that. So they're going to keep tweaking it. You know what I've noticed too, Terry? This Cat 1, which is an automatic 11 days, anyone who gets up and stumbles has been ruled out. Cat 1. We're going to start seeing it. People are going to stay down. Any cop to the head, they'll stay down, regain their composure and get up, and they'll go off for a thing. Obviously, there's going to be some horror tackles. Like that Ponga one was as cat one as you'll ever see. And yeah. it, it's obvious. In layman's terms, if the guy is knocked out, it's a cat one. Simple as. Yeah, and, it, and it's it's just really interesting to note here as well that Oregon Kafusi passed his concussion test and Cronulla ruled him out of the game. And it's later that Cronulla have done the testing on him and, and he hasn't quite, like he's passed, but he hasn't passed how you want him to. So Cronulla ruled him out this weekend and that's what you want from your club. No risk. Good uh, um, good stuff. Great question. I changed the questions up now and I asked Jack White at six for the Sharks, yes or no. Uh, first answer, not at the price he'd be after. Let's stick with Trindle and Dykes. Uh, no, it's a no from me. No, he's bog average. Only good in the halves if you want front rowers hiding behind him. Uh, depends <laughs> on the price. Probably not if you want big money. Depends really. Not sure if I'm comfortable getting another 30-something-year-old to slump Trindle and or Dykes' development. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, he'd be really lethal with White. Good friend. Uh, good friend. Good good listener and contributor to the podcast. Capital Shark. But look, obviously looking for top dollars. And a three to four year minimum what will be his last beefy contract. He's a naturally competitive footballer, 
So I don't see him being a guy who will coast it through. If you're going to shell out on a 30-year-old half-chasing coin, he's actually not a bad option compared to someone like Moses. Always competes and no injury issues. I couldn't pay him more than Nico, though. And I'd say we'd have to to land him. Mm-hmm. Someone said, I reckon if he leaves Canberra, it's more for a chance to win the comp rather than Panda. At payday, you think that Canberra will offer him a great deal financially. Capital Shark responded, my early prediction is he remains a radar, but they pay a bit more than they budgeted for retires without a competition uh, Mick Sharks 2010 said well the thought of white and six sounds like sometimes uh, sounds good sometimes you have to bite the bullet and resist spending that much money when it could be used better with the squad in other areas like a decent prop and besides I doubt we have that sort of money with all the re-signings I can't really see splashing for a player anytime soon seems like all the money from Federal and Wade's contract has been chewed up keeping the current squad together mm-hmm. no to white and he'll try and belt someone at Northies gets <laughs> And Capital Shark wrote back, to be honest, the first thing that came to my mind was Jesse and Jack both turning up dumb, <laughs> both turning dumb up to notch 11 and fighting each other on the field and getting beat. <laughs> yeah, it could happen. Uh, yeah, so uh, overwhelming response of a no to Jack Whiten. So uh, tomorrow on Zero Tackle, there'll be five landing spots for Jack Whiten and full disclosure, Cronulla is listed. Uh, very, very easy to justify. If we said to Jack White, hey, we got 200K and we want to pinch hit a premiership next year, I'm taking him for a year. If he wants any, even a cent over that, well, your mind's not in the right place. My early thing is that the West Tigers are going to go in very hard for him, having missed Mitch Moses. So they got 1.2 sitting there. It's going to take less than that to get White. And I think he ends up with the Tigers or the Dolphins. They need a marquee signing. And they're likely to splash the cash to try and get... Uh, Jack Whiten signed for the Dolphins in the headlines. I can't see any way he ends up at Cronulla from being very serious because, one, Fitz will probably veto it and say, no, nah, we're just not dealing with that stuff anymore. And, two, unless he fits that very real, hey, we'll give you a one-year deal, let's try and pinch you the title, I don't think he's going to take a one-year deal and back himself. So I can't see it happening. On very, very, very strict circumstances, I would jump at the opportunity but it's like it's it's not going to happen. Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to happen either. I, uh, I I can't I can't see us going down that path for Jack Whiten. I'd manifest it. I'd love it. I think Jack Whiten would be brilliant next <laughs> to um, Hines. Nico Hines. I think that would be one of the best uh, halves combinations that you could possibly get. Um, however, for mine, I just think, uh, yeah, the the risk versus reward in what he could potentially give you is just you're mortgaging your future. You are. You're letting because K Dykes is going to walk, so is Braden Trinnell. But mate, going back to Nico, just because I want to close this window, it's annoying me on the computer. We had 274 people respond to, is Nico Hines the best player in the competition? 31% of people said yes, 33% said top three, and 36% were, were wrong. Um, who's your top three players in the game right now? Oh, in no particular order, and for mine, he has started the year really quietly but I'm not going to go past Nathan Cleary Mm -hmm. I think that he is 
without a shadow of a doubt, the best player in the game. But I don't think that the gap is that far between he and Nico Hines, who I've got at number two. Mm-hmm. And then for number three, I'm going to stick with James Tedesco. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, just in front of Harry Grant, who I have just in front of... So you still haven't named the player I have as the undisputed king in number one yet? Just in front of Tom Turbo. So there you go. So I have Cam Munster as number one. I think he's the best player in the competition. You put him in any position, he wins you the game. Nico's number two and Turbo's number three. I got Cleary just outside that. I will, I will say that on his day, Cam Munster is unstoppable. Unstoppable, but you don't like you don't see that with him all the time. Like, and, and what I'm, you know, I, I know, I know he's won premierships and he's been in grand finals and he, you know, he won a premiership at fullback and he's won a premiership at six as well. But for mine, for mine, it's the other players in Melbourne that get you to the grand final, and then Cam Munster goes and wins it. Yeah, that's completely fair. I would, like the twenty twenty season, he didn't pull that team to the grand final. Like the Bromwich brothers and Kafusi pulled that team to the grand final. Uh, 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 the Cheese was in good form for that that part of the competition. Pappenhausen was pretty good too. Jerome Hughes, Pappenhausen was the Clive Churchill medalist. Cam Smith was there as well, sorry. Um, so I haven't I haven't seen a season from Cam Munster where he's pulled Melbourne to those lengths, right? But in a big game, he undisputably goes and wins that game for Melbourne. So I don't have him as the best player in the competition because I can I can strictly look you in the eyes and say Nathan Cleary took Penrith to the best, one of the best seasons of all time in 2020, and then again on his back, he took them to the grand final in 2021, and he won in the game. And last year, again, he was the best player for Penrith all year, and they won the premiership. Um, Nico Hines took a Cronulla team that went from ninth to second on his back, and again, he's fantastic. And Teddy has always been there, and Turbo is there, and Harry Grant's coming. And I just think that those players do it far more often than what Cam Munster does. My rebuttal is this, Terry. Can you name one player who can win a premiership, be high and drunk for seven days, and go and lead the worst Queensland side in history to a series victory? End of season, back to back to back, probably haven't slept since prior to the grand final and still win that origin. No, no I, one can do I, it. I would, no, look, no one could do it like him uh, because Brandon Smith is a Kiwi, so he can't play origin. Uh, and also as well, Cam Munster was pretty average in that grand final. Well, I'm just saying, it's uh, look, Mun- Mun- it's Munster for me. No one's better in the big game. Funny no one mentioned Latrell Mitchell. No, and again, for the, for the same reasons, is that I think Latrell on his day, you know, you're having conversations that he's the best fullback, he's the best centre. I've got no doubt that if he went and played 5-8 like Greg Inglis, he would be the best 5-8. And we saw him when he was on the wing for the Roosters, he was untouchable. Mm-hmm. It's just those, you know, the games on the... Like the, 
take the game against the Souths on the week. Uh, Souths against Manly on the weekend. Didn't notice him. Yep. You didn't notice him, yep. and you know the the semi final against Penrith. Yeah, you didn't know. Very cool. Uh, so it's it's the same kind of thing for mine. Is that Latrell Latrell can win you those big games if he turns up, but he's not a player who's going to drag you twenty five. Like Latrell Mitchell's never winning the Dalian. No, nah, no, completely fair. Cam Munster's never winning a Dalian. Yeah, okay, I can but, see that. Yeah. yeah, so for mine, it's like the players who show up. Like you know, I I, I got dragged, I got baited into an argument by stupid Penrith fans last night who said Nico Hines did nothing in our semi final, and I was like, well, you know, he, he kicked more than Lachlan Elias. We we scored two tries. One was off an intercept, and the other one came off Hines like. You know, Will Kennedy and Blake Braley and Matt Moylan were worse players than Hines, but sure, go for him because it's an easy target. But he still turns up. Yeah. Well, he dragged us to uh, to a second-place finish with a side that was nowhere near as good as the others around him. So let us know who your best three players are. This is, uh, this is a good discussion. I don't think there's any wrong answers there in any of the players we named just quietly. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd, I'd love, I'd love to hear um, who, who the best. Oh, for mine, for mine, just at the moment. It's Nathan Cleary, but if Penrith come back to the pack, mm-hmm. and, you know, it looks like they're going to, and it really, you know, you could start making a case that Aki was the most important player for. But I think, I, look, I, I think in 18 months' time, we're talking hands down, Hines is the undisputed player. Absolutely. The, yeah. 100%. But yeah, yeah, thanks so much for the votes and stuff. It was, uh, it was good. There are lots of comments too. It, it, obviously, we don't have the time to go through everything, but a lot of Penrith fans, which, you know, highly. Horrible people, I think that's fair to say. They all said that Nico has to deliver a big game win to be considered number one. Yeah, look, I think that's completely fair. I think he plays Origin this year and gets New South Wales over that hump, and I think we win a final this year. So I think I think this time next year we'll be talking to Nico in very high regard. I I just, for the life of me, I can't see Brad Fittler picking him. Oh, mate, Brad Fittler is the worst. <laughs> going to pick Jerome Luai at six and he's going to pick Appy and Cook and there's going to be no spot for him. And That works I'd, for me. Fuck the Blues. I'd rather the Sharks. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and someone someone again posted today uh, in the discussion about Nico Hines um, that if Jerome Luai is not the six, it'll be Matt Burton. And I was like, please, <laughs> get out please of here. Matt Burton at six because Queensland will win every game by 30. Yeah. Yeah, that that cannot happen. Uh, and like, uh, and I'm talking drunk. Cam Munster will turn up and put thirty on them because he's just going to know how easy that's going to be. Completely fair. Yeah. Uh, good discussion. Thank you. I think we should we should continue doing this more often on the the Tuesday night opening up to the uh, the fan channels. Absolutely. Dan, uh, just just quickly, uh, two episodes of Fins up next week because there's no episode of Outlaws, so we will do a complete. Uh, in our role review and then drop a Sharks podcast uh, after the game. I believe we're going to do one after the game yeah. and then we'll, we'll do the Tuesday night questions as yeah, well. Yeah, we, we're going to be in the ears a little bit next next week. Stay, stay, stay tuned because we've got a bit of Outlaws news coming up potentially soon. We'll, uh, we'll see how things fall. But um, pretty important game this Sunday too, Terry. Yeah, look, against the, the Warriors, uh, I, I sort of don't want to talk about it too much because we spent 40 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'll tweet out a link. It was very, very good. Thanks to the boys for having us on too. It was very enjoyable, but uh, very in-depth preview there. But we'll just cover it real quick and give you our thoughts. I, again, like I always say, that if we win the forward battle, 
with Nico Hines playing, we'll win this game. I picked us, I believe, 24-12 on that show to be polite. I think we're actually going to win this game by about 20. Yeah, look, I think we're a heat's better team than them, but Adam Fanua-Blake, mate, has literally made a career beaten up on Cronulla. As I mentioned on the show, even when we beat Manly like 60-10, to 10, he still had 250 metres and scored two tries. So he's a real bogey for us. I mean, he's not a nice guy, but he's a fairly handy forward, to say the least. Nothing nothing really worries me about the Warriors side other than them getting away to a 12-0 uh, lead and us dropping our bundle because I think if we if we lead 12-0, I think we're talking 40 points. The thing, the thing about the Warriors is they're just big. Like Marcelo Montoya is big. The centre playing next to him, uh, Vaela, he is big. Um, you know, Jack Ford, big. Tohu Harris, if he plays, big. Fadua Blake, like Wade Egan is yeah. like the tallest number nine in premiership yeah. history. A big dude. You know we got to target? That young Volkman. I think for all his talents, he's got, what, yeah. two games under his belt? We have to yeah. run at him early and often. Yeah, so if he hasn't made 30 tackles by halftime, our game plan shit. Yeah, completely agree. And look, Johnson or, too. Or, or, or he's missed 20 and we've run through him. That's true. Look, Johnson's never been, you know, all-class defender. He's pretty – he's on the higher end, maybe not towards the end of his career. But, mate, again, I go back. If Teague Wilton and Britton Okora are, you know, amongst the five best players in the game, we win because no one can match that back row at the moment. No, no one can match the back row. Our, our backs, like – our backs are superior to them as well, and it's it's Edward Kosi who's up against Ronaldo Militalo, and Kosi's actually quite small. So it wouldn't surprise me if they if they did a switch on the day and put Montoya against Ronaldo, which Ronaldo will just eat him for pace, skill, and brains. Um, I do like Marcelo Montoya, but Ronaldo Militalo is miles clear. If they leave Edward Kosi out there, you can guarantee that Ronaldo is going to you know, contest five or six bombs. Well, I said he'd uh, score a Hattie this week, and I stand by that. What's that? Well, I said he'd score a Hattie this week, and I stand by yeah. it. I think I think Talakai is going to monster the. Uh, he's going to monster Adam Pompey and score a try this week. Um, I, I will Kennedy will continue to shine as well. Nico will be the best player on the park, and I think we'll come away with a nice, comfortable win. Their forward pack does scare me, um, but if we're up, you know, 12, 14 points, and Adam Fidel Blake exits the field, I expect another twelve to fourteen points to go on before he returns. Just the bench before we go, Terry. Do you think it'll stay as named or are you expecting a late switch? I can't see us going into a game against the New Zealand Warriors who have a massive, and I mean massive, bench uh, with Cam McInnes and Braden Trindle. So I do think Tricky will drop out and Tom Hackleton will get the nod. I agree. I, I haven't heard anything, but I'm hoping that's the way. I haven't. I look. I don't think Trindle will play for New South uh, New South Wales Cup. I don't think he'll play for the Jets. To be honest, the way Puru is playing and Atkinson, you probably don't need to rush him back. Yeah, he's, he's got that niggling ankle injury as well. We've yeah, we got, got the, the bye next the, week. Yeah. yeah I really I, wouldn't be risking it, and Hazleton's got to find a spot. Yeah, the the only thing that you're you're looking at is it's against the Bulldogs, and maybe Paul and Tommy will take out. But I mean, we got we got big Tooks to to take that. Caleb Uell is you know a good player. Um, I, I think you know. Obviously, the first grade team is more important than the reserve grade team at this point in the year. So I would, I would think, hope, and pray to the footballing gods and then rubbing that big bald head of fits that Trinder will drop out and uh, Tommy will will get the run. I think I think that'll happen, mate. I don't think it'll be announced though to the day. But look for Hazelton to survive that first round of cuts, and if he does, I dare say it might be on. 
Ja, men